Hi, this is Shudeep Ghosh, and I am the founder of Eastwood Accessories, owners of Uppercase Brand. Have you heard of the phrase revenge travel? It was coined after the lockdown shifted. And the implication was that people have not been able to travel for two years and will now make up for it by traveling like never before. And while this trend means costlier flights and crowded airports, it has also proven to be a major boost for Uppercase, the D2C luggage brand launched by Sudeep Ghosh, who is the former managing director of India's largest luggage company, VIP Industries. Sudeep is a luggage industry veteran, having worked in leadership roles with luggage companies for more than a decade. And in this candid conversation with Akshay Dutt, he shares his journey of becoming an entrepreneur at such a late stage in life and how he fundamentally changed the business model of the luggage industry by using smart technology. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to learn from India's finest founders. Could you give an overview of your non-entrepreneurial part of your career before becoming an entrepreneur? I started as a even marketing guy when actually even marketing was not even in fashion. I used to be a small agency organizers back in Calcutta uh, sometime in uh, 1996, 96, yeah. And uh, while working there, uh, I understood that it's something which interests me, uh, especially the creative field. And I got an opportunity to work with Bosch and Long. I was there, what currently is called trade marketing. At that time, it used to be called in sales promotion. And I was given charge of South of uh, India. And that's where I left my hometown, Calcutta, for the first time at the age of 24, I think, if I remember right. Slowly, I worked from marketing to sales and then uh, changed organization to Whirlpool and there I joined again as a trade marketing guy and then and I moved to proper marketing um, wherein I launched uh, the microwaves uh, for Whirlpool at one point of time then from Whirlpool where I spent about four and a half years I switched to Mark Electronics, a popular brand called Onida. There again, I spent. So in Whirlpool, I did a lot of product marketing. In uh, Mark Electronics, I did a lot of communication, advertising, and media. And that actually made me a full time marketing guy. I already had a sales experience in, uh, in my previous roles in Washington. Uh, that somewhere I kind of got into Reliance. I, I was part of uh, the ADAG group. I worked there for about two years. And then I uh, got an opportunity to get into luggage business, which initially was something that had declined. I actually had said no to the job, but uh, somehow uh, my boss then uh, convinced me that it's a good opportunity. So I quit Reliance and joined Samsonite and spent about five years in Samsonite. We launched and relaunched some great brands. 
And then I was uh, given an opportunity to work with VIP, the competition. I took a, a, a six-eight months break and then I came and joined VIP and for about uh, yeah, my head of marketing and slowly worked myself up as to the position of CEO and then eventually managing director. And I ran that company for quite a bit and was one of my best phases of careers, of my professional career. Not the technical career, I think that is a new phase which has started uh, for me. But yeah, you had told me that at VIP you played a role of uh, like a turnaround expert. Uh, just tell me about that. Uh, so when I joined VIP as the marketing head, they were going through some difficult times, and one of the things that I realized is they had too many brands, and all of them looked and did the same thing. Uh, so they were cannibalizing against each other. Um, also, what were those brands? The, so VIP has about five brands. It has VIP, it has Spybex, it has Aristocrat, it had Alpha at that point of time, it had Caprici, and it had Calder. So six at that point of time. Uh, and everybody was doing the same thing. And it was cannibalizing. So first and foremost thing I did was I cut down uh, Alpha. I said, we don't need that brand. And I realized that if I touch VIP brand and if I go wrong, then the organization will collapse. So think of a building which is standing on a pillar. And if you want to be safe and make the building straight, what you do is you build different pillars to support. So the first thing that I did was I changed the way Skybag looked, uh, repositioned the brand as a youth brand, uh, and created a very strong pillar. And suddenly Skybag became as big as VIP. Then I took Aristocrat, and then that also became a lower-end brand, where we created the second pillar. Then we created Carlton, which also came in to support. So we had a brand at the top, which was Carlton. We had a youth brand, which was Skybags. We had a lower brand, which was Aristocrat. Once that were done, then we revamped VIP uh, into a different of time. And that is where the organization got humongous response from the consumer. Suddenly, instead of having one gun firing, we had five, six guns firing from all sides. And therefore, we started doing very well. We are a very listed company. The share prices went on of, from about 16 rupees to about 627 if I What's so like amazing 10x growth? Okay, 10x growth. The value got added uh, during my tenure. The organization touched a billion dollars. Uh, $20 billion was not so easy to get the way we are these days. Um, and I guess all of this put together uh, had a wonderful impact uh, in not only the market but overall people who were here. The attrition rates were very, very low. And uh, I think that that has been a great uh, learning and an opportunity for me to turn around a very traditional organization into a mammoth leader. In fact, um, I must say that uh, globally, if you see, uh, Samsonite is always number one across all countries, except for India. In India, Samsonite is number two. And that what is number one? VIP industry is number one. Mobile is about 60% market share, while Samsung amount of time at about 35. Um, so that's the kind of 
dominance we had that we did not allow a multinational to come and get the market. VIP is a manufacturer also? Like they make everything in-house? Or? Yeah, everything is manufactured. VIP has factories in, in India, factories in Bangladesh. We also buy stuff from China. When I started to go VIP, VIP only used to make about 30% of what they sold. When I left, it was 70% uh, of what they sell. So, so yes, it's a huge. And therefore, if you, if you see on the gross margin, there was a bump because the manufacturing margin, we started doing things on our own. And the manufacturing margin also went into the, the, the bottom line. It, it changed from uh, a trading to a manufacturing organization when I was at that organization. Yes. Amazing. So, uh, what uh, sells suitcases? Uh, you know, is it like distribution that if you are present everywhere, then your suitcase will sell? Or uh, is it uh, celebrity endorsement? Is, is there a seasonal effect? Uh, you know, help me understand this market a little better. Yeah. So, uh, I, I have this favorite line I say as people eat, sleep, drink, people travel. And when people travel, they need suitcase, they need luggage. The luggage demand is now throughout the year. Uh, but yes, there are spikes, and the spikes in India happens primarily because of wedding and of uh, holiday travel. Uh, for backpacks, obviously, then there is school season, which is something that I introduced. And like the, our industry never made backpacks. I first introduced backpacks in Samsonite in the brand of Mentor and Then when I shifted to VIP, uh, and we got Skybag uh, doing the same. Um, we used to sell, you know, the last number I remember, we sold about 4 million bags uh, in one season for Skybags. It's one of the far more highest ever now that we did, I think, 4.3 million units we sold. Uh, so, yeah, uh, there are spikes, but uh, people buy luggage because people travel. And as long as people will travel, people will buy luggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what uh, drives sales for a company? Is it important to pricing, distribution, branding? Over last one and a half or two decades, I've seen a huge transformation from luggage being a commodity buying when people never cared. And I have seen people in business class wearing the best of brands but carrying a, an unknown brand of luggage to today where luggage has become an accessory like your specs or the sunglasses or the, or the watch that you wear. Uh, a lot of lot of effort has gone in by various brands to create it, and I think the consumer uh, understanding and outlook towards the category has changed uh, quite a bit in the last decade or so. Uh, so today, luggage sells because of features, because of its weight, because of its you know toughness, uh, because of its design. Uh, you know, Consumers uh, pick up luggage for various reasons. The ones that I just said are the ones which are, are the top couple of reasons why they buy. As far as price is concerned, uh, there are two segments. There is still a segment which is very conscious about price. Uh, but then there is a segment who will buy a good luggage at a great price. Uh, so it's a mixed bag. But definitely design, performance, and price are the three most important aspects of any luggage bike. You were running a billion-dollar business at VIP. Uh, what made you want to quit and start something in that same industry? 
what prompted that journey into becoming an entrepreneur that was covid i be i'll be very upfront prior to covid i was running a great company doing wonderfully well great brands two things happened uh, during covid um covid got the e-com sector going in a big way we are primarily a e-com driven company and e-com grew in 6 months what otherwise it would have grown in 10 years Uh, so that uh, that opened a huge opportunity covid also brought us that every business that we were doing could be done in half the cost or maybe you know one third of the cost um so g- give me an example help me understand this uh covid taught us that we don't need 29 offices we don't need 20 crores of travel we don't need 8000 people to run an organization we need change the mindset of a lot of people including me and i think i felt that there is an opportunity for somebody to do the same business in the same industry very differently than what it's been done by the rest of the guys because in vip couldn't have changed because there is there's only that much you can do for a mammoth ship which is uh, which is which is already floating and doing very well while if you go back and start creating your own ship uh it you can do things the way you want to do i did not need a job to survive um i had reached that position and you know i i could take the risk that i took uh because yes uh, over the years i have been able to financially secure uh, me and my family to a large extent so all of these factors put together and obviously the the biggest thing is to create something for yourself and for the team that is working with you uh, it's a different high altogether when i quit i was i think 48 i said it's time to get into it and see if you know somebody believes in us fortunately a lot of people believed in us and our our our, our vision and uh, started so okay you said that uh, you realized that there is a better way of building a luggage company what is that better way what are those things which you felt uh, you needed to do differently it's it's quite simple typically a luggage company has a gross margin of about 55% but if you say It's if you see the EBITDA, it's about thirteen, fourteen percent. I want to create a company with a fifty-five, fifty percent gross margin and thirty percent EBITDA. Keep the costs down. Uh, operate with a very slim and trim organization, and uh, use te- as much technology as possible. Because today, technology uh, you can enable your entire supply chain, uh, your entire sales team. Uh, we hardly travel build in algorithms where uh, we exactly know when to advertise what to advertise these help us to conserve cash to a very large extent i am a firm believer that if you are to business you need to make money uh, and i don't understand uh, making losses and getting valuations i do firmly believe that even if i'm making 200 crores or selling 200 crores 
I need to make a 60, 70 crore of profit. If I don't, then I'm not a good businessman. So uh, tell me the journey. So you quit VIP. Uh, you are now without a job. How do you start building up Ace4? So the, so the journey started much before I quit VIP. The journey started the day I walked to my wife to say I'm going to quit. That is when the journey started. Initially, it was a shock for her. Uh, a good job, especially a corner of his job, uh, not only brings a lot, a big pay, paycheck, but it also brings social recognition for both you and for the individual and the family. My kids came to our office. We were building a very small office and uh, they walked into the store. There was a small kitchen which was used by the previous tenant and we turned that into my room. And a very small, very small room if you come to your office today. And my kids came and uh, they said, Dad, where is your office? I said, this is my office. They looked at me and said, how come? Because my previous office was as big as the entire office that we have. I also realized that the world also starts seeing differently towards you. I, I truly believe is uh, jobs will give you great savings. Uh, great job will give you great savings. Bigger job give you bigger savings. But if you're on to you can actually create wealth. To create wealth, you need to take that risk, let the safety net go and see where you fall. I've been dragging my family all over the country, so this was one more time. But I said, no, the operator to Bombay. The first thing that we did after I quit, after I got relieved from VIP, is to take a holiday. I quit in 20, on 31st of January 2021. 5th of February is our anniversary. It was during COVID. Uh, so we had, all four of us took a holiday, and it was the best holiday that I had. I had no tension, nobody were calling me, no board meetings to be planned. And when I came back, um, then it kind of slowly started sinking in that you're on your own. Uh, it's scary. But yeah, then I kept meeting people. I made a first presentation. I kept meeting people. Uh, meeting people for a fundraise, like, like you wanted to? I was very fortunate to meet a gentleman called Mr. Arnold Mondel, who later became my CFO and co-founder. So I met him and together we created the PPT. And... Uh, the interesting part is I started going out um, looking for funds when the second wave of COVID was hitting India. Uh, I very clearly remember my first presentation to a merchant banker or a fund manager was um, 20th March 2021. It was very, very scary. The world was shutting down. And here I was trying to open a travel business. And I didn't expect that uh, I would get the fund so fast. So I actually was lucky. What really played for me was the fact that uh, I have been well recognized in the industry on which I'm, I was trying to get into. Only I was trying to do the business in a different way. Uh, and therefore, it was not very difficult for me, let me be very truthful. Uh, to raise the, no, I was trying to raise a million and a half to start with the seed money. I got a very, very good valuation at that point of time. Um, and we raised it in about two months' time. By June, actually, when we had to come into the banks. And then uh, things started rolling. So, uh, yes. You must have had like a sequence that let's build first supply, then let's build the marketing engine and branding and all of it. Like, like you know, tell me that, like, how, 
each of those? Well, so first thing that we did was to find a name for the brand and what would the brand stand for and what exactly would we like to do. The name was very interesting. We found the name. We found the name uppercase. Uh, and it's very nice if you see the brand, it's called uppercase, it means lowercase. So a lot of people have smiled, smiled uh, looking at the brand. Some people have said that they made a mistake. What is uppercase in this? I said, good that you asked. That is the, that's the whole, whole point of making it that way. For us, it would mean that we are upper in the case business while everybody else is lower. So that was the, the rationale behind it. Um, so the name came first. Um, then we built a financial model uh, out of uh, what we want to present and where do we want to reach in you know three years, five years' time. What kind of products we wanted to do? Because our products are very, very different from what... So it was not available. We had to kind of create some products and show. So that's how we went to the first fund. And the first fund gave us... Which is our first fund uh, was the fund called Volrado, which is an offshoot of uh, the Inam group. So they were the first to kind of believe in us and put in a, a large sum of money. And the advantage was the rest. So they put in close to about a million and the half a million came in from all my ex-bosses that's very interesting all my ex-bosses put in money uh, from my various organizations from Washington to, to my, my boss uh, who was at that point of time who was my ex-boss in, in Ansonite so all of them put in money so that also gave me a lot of you know, satisfaction that you know people who have been my mentor have kind of come together and believed in me. I had some good angel investors um, and the way you choose an angel investor is not just for the money because also because these are the people with whom you can bounce off your ideas and then tell you with real time good advice. And then the other thing that we did is bet very well on people right from day one. Um, in fact, in my entire model, the, the only risk that I've taken is, is people. Our people cost is very, very high. But I have, we have taken it so that these number of people initially will be high because obviously my turnovers are very low. But these are the people who will deliver far larger numbers in once the business sets in. As in, you hired like a, a head of technology and a like a head of procurement and exactly. So first thing that I did was yeah. I added a couple of co-founders because if you make it big, then they need to make big. You know, and all of them quit some very, very good and serious portfolios that they were handling and came uh, and worked, started working with us. Uh, so they all hold a percentage of the company. You know. Then we also took in some senior people in various functional head. We have head of procurement, we have head of sales and marketing, head of sales and marketing, the gentleman who created cards, women fashion and luggage business. He knows how to do e commerce. Uh, we picked up the retail and gel trade shared off uh, of a very large shoe company who had worked with me earlier in VIP. Um, we, we picked up a very good procurement. The first team that I actually employed was the design team in the organization. So we got the design head, four design people came in. Um, and we started working on it because we wanted to show uh, when we went for the pre-series A round, we had the products ready. Uh, products ready in the sense, not gone into production, but yeah, we had actual products from last time. Last when we had gone, we had created visuals. This time it was actual products which were there. 
Um, so, yeah, now we are a, a, a team of about 28 people um, currently. Um, and we probably will be 30 by the end of this year. And this 30 will deliver the 100 first. How did you sell your first, like say, first thousand pieces of luggage? Like, what was the process of doing that? How did you source it? Uh, what channel of sale did you use? And So we are primarily the e-com based company. Uh, we are now getting into offline because my equity in offline is very high. And I have been, you know, uh, the dealers and the distributors of themselves approached and say, I would like to sell your product. We're figuring out how to sell the same product online and offline. My first uh, thousand pieces got sold in marketplace. So we don't sell to e-com, we sell on e-com. There's a difference between most of the companies go and sell to e-com, which means they sell to the e-com platforms. We are we sell on our own. So like this, the, the seller services like Prion or whatever this. Yeah, and that helps us to control and manage the price. That's what we would like to do going forward. Also, we operate in all all. So when you sell to e-com, uh, in that case, you don't control the price and all. Like they will negotiate a price with you. You don't control the price. They come out. And after that, you go control this, the what price at this sell. So that is very scary. Suddenly they might give you a very deep discount wherein your brand and the other channels might get impacted. Uh, we were very clear from day one that we will sell on e-com and not sell. Because they are taking the inventory risk there. like Yes, yes. Here the inventory risk is totally us. We pay a charge to them, which we are very happy to pay. And that way we manage pricing across the board. The flip side of it is I don't get large volumes immediately, but over the period I build our, our technology and our backend to ensure that we do sales. And currently we are doing pretty well. Why don't you get large volumes immediately if you're selling through e-commerce rather than selling to? Yeah, yeah. so when you sell to somebody, you can stack up, right? Initially, you can stack up. Okay, so so they, they'll straight away buy like say 10,000 or 1,000 or something. Yeah, 10,000 pieces, 10,000 or 20,000 pieces. I will take X number of days to sell that. But what happens is when you sell to them and they doesn't sell out, then you get stuck. So you will have initial numbers, but going forward, it will become very difficult. In our model, our initial numbers will be lower, but going forward, it will be very, very sweet. So that's how the plan is. Is there also, like, uh, you were selling through e-commerce. Like, how did you build the supply for it? Because obviously, you would not be manufacturing at this stage. So now we have, we have no contract manufacturing, exclusively manufacturing for us. We have got... Uh, close to four factories now um, churning out products that we want. We do the quality design, everything is ours. They provide manpower and the machines to make the products that we want. That has been a very, very good model. Uh, and we would like to continue with that for some time. And, and where are these factories? Like, uh, uh, So we have one in Uttarakhand, two in Gujarat and one in Maharashtra. Uh, all in India, okay. Or everything is in India, everything is in India. Wouldn't China be cheaper? Like, uh, No. Um, two things. One, uh, the entire sustainability, uh, I would rather control here in India. Second, with China, the lead time becomes very high. And I've operated China for almost all my uh, luggage life. Uh, so I exactly know how China operates. And if you ask me, then uh, buying from China is easy. Uh, but then it comes with very various other issues. 
which I feel is much more avoidable if we live from India. India now, in the last first six months, we had major issues in terms of you know getting the right product from the right factory. Um, but now I knew that after the initial pain, uh, this will become a big advantage, very, very big advantage. And that's what exactly what we're doing. Uh, we are uh, operating with, with very reliable uh, sources, which uh, uh, with whom, whom we have betted big. And we want to deliver the best of products made in India. So uh, you're saying that uh, if you source from China, then it reduces your agility. Like if you want to change designs, then it will take a few months for the new set of designs. And That is one. Second, they send the design to somebody else. Sometimes. Okay, okay, okay. You use your intellectual property. Yes. And we are in a business of selling luggage, not the business of getting into litigation. And these litigations led nowhere. It's better off that you have your control. And today, post-COVID, things are not very good there itself. And, and we are well off with things in India. Mm, right, right, right. Plus, uh, in India, uh, the balance of power would be better like for china you are one of many when uh, many buyers and for india you are probably like a major buyer for that vendor exactly exactly for the vendor that we have we buy everything with the main we are the only buyer to them so i control everything there it's almost like having your own factory and uh, how did you uh, drive sales on amazon was it like through marketing inside amazon itself or did you also do other stuff too so there are two parts to it in there is a portal advertising, which is very important, which is advertising on Amazon. Uh, we also have created algorithms to know when to advertise, uh, which day part to advertise, what sales for backpacks and what's And the very amazing data that we have. What is the way of thinking about it? Uh, like a little bit of maybe breadcrumbs you can share. It's purely by reading the data. We first and foremost put in a, a system which can read the data faster. And the way the movement happens, the way uh, footfall happens. Um, so we read the data and then we test it with a small amount. And once it starts working, we put in money behind it. So um, for a startup, usually people say the ROS return on advertising spends is about two. Uh, it should be between two to three, three or two to four. It is very good in the first two years. On the fifth, sixth month, we have hit a 3.8. So it's something that whoever is hearing, uh, they are on listening, how are you doing it? And I keep saying it's my secret sauce, I don't want to give it out. So yes, it's a lot of... So this means that every one rupee you spend on advertising gives you 3.8 rupees of uh, revenue. It, yes, revenue. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what it means. So that's my last month. Uh, this month, we intend to make it even better. Uh, my target is to make it one is to 15, one five. Oh, 15. Okay. In the first year, one five, one five. I'd love to get it to 50, which will happen someday. But uh, yeah, as of now, we're targeting 15. And you're doing it on like the usual Google, AdWords, Facebook, the, like these channels. All of that, all of that. Now we are getting into uh, offline. We just had a, a huge media uh, understanding between various companies um, to see how we would do a bit of offline advertising as well because now we are going offline in terms of trade uh, institution is very big um, even today the, the reach of television is very high uh, uh, that's what the numbers are saying 
you said institutional what is institutional like what is that it's a b2b sales like you know you sell it not to the end consumer to an institution and then they sell it to and then they give it to their employees computer companies for instance you buy a laptop you get a bag free and uh, along with it why can't it be a upper case bag and since we are sustainable it's something that their team would also like because we are the only company who can give that proposition which no other company in india can give overall brand awareness is key okay so why don't you want to do modern trade and just for our listeners uh, to clarify so uh, general trade is like the shops uh, which you go in your local market modern trade is mom and pop stores with large chains like shopstop or reliance and uh, you know reliance and you know centrio and all the others that's there the cost of doing business in modern trade is very very high um they operate on consignment they want us to put up people um margin they want large margins uh those are killing uh, especially you know putting up your own people i don't want to get it so modern trade will give you large numbers but at the cost of margin not exactly large it's not like they are running away with all the business um even in, in vip the general trade is still quite much more bigger than the modern trade um uh, but yes in in a crux what you said is right they will give you top line without the bottom line uh, which all product categories have you launched we have already launched backpacks and soft luggage uh, we are further adding hard luggage uh, there are various types of backpacks we will be only up college backpacks and we just uh, launching professional series which are office bag bags they also look very different they are not the regular black and blues of the world and not the regular shapes actually um, our silhouettes are very very different we would be launching hard luggage now so our sq count is going to be very very small we have to operate with a very very tight sq count um we'll be launching another couple of hard luggage and uh, the school bags school backpacks sometime next year Uh, so that's that's the plan that we have as well. So uh, yeah, uh, I was under the impression that hard uh, hard luggage is probably what sells the most these days, right? So why did you start with soft luggage? Like why not do hard luggage, which is uh, I'm guessing that is like a bigger part. Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, it's not that we we we, we did not try. We wanted to, but as I said, as all our products are recycled, and for hard luggage to to make us recycle hard luggage it's, it's difficult we have to try out various combinations and you know uh, now finally we got the right combination with which uh, you know the luggage will also be sustainable yet it will withstand the large amount of force that will not crack and that itself took us at least 7 to 7 and a half months to figure that one out uh, which we have now we already given one for patent for it uh, therefore we are now producing secondly uh, unlike in in soft luggage the investment to make a hard luggage plant is much higher so we also had to find somebody who would trust us and put up a factory which now we have and uh, hard luggage is made from recycled plastic bottles like pet bottles is that the yes, uh, part of it is recycled in plastic that you're already generating because when you're producing something a lot of a lot of wastage that you do and you bring those wastage back into into production of the new one and also add you know you also need to add an x amount of virgin material 
Otherwise, the strength of the luggage will not be there. Uh, so yeah, it's a mix of three different things. Uh, the pet bottle, the uh, recycled plastic that you have already yourself generated, plus a bit of virgin uh, to it to make it strong and to, you know, the idea is to bring the virgin down as much as you can and keep increasing the recycled and the pet bottle piece to a large extent. Uh, that's what we are trying to do. But as I said, you know, you cannot, it's like you know, having a car and if it doesn't move, then no matter how electric car you have made, people will not buy it. So if you're making a luggage, it has to be strong enough for uh, for the consumer to feel safe to put his products or her products in it. Does sustainability uh, sell luggage? No, currently no. But tomorrow it will. Why do you feel that way? Because people, consumers are changing in a big way. And also the way we see it is we have huge amount of uh, international aspiration. And the way we see it is the next, once we stabilize our India business, then we probably look into start looking at national markets because their sustainable travel is a big thing. The same products can go with a little bit of tweaking. And in today's today's time there, it will be purely a digital brand. We don't want to put up offices, we don't want to put up, but we just need a third-party shipping partner and we'll use all the technologies that we are using here to, to, to operate in those countries. So. Uh, the model have changed, so it becomes easier for any company to become a global company now if they think technology and if they think little out of the box than what the usual uh, uh, usual thinking about international, multinational brands are. But I feel India can produce a multinational brand, uh, both from quality and from uh, the perceptive greatness of a brand is concerned. Cool. What is the turnover you do currently and what do you see yourself ending this year at like in terms of your monthly revenue? We started in the month of July, 15th of July. Uh, then we are 15th of January. 22, 2022. Yeah, we are 2022. We are, we are January 23, so July, August, September, November, December, January, the six months old. We've already hit an annual run rate of about 24 crores. The way we are seeing it is we would like to hit next year, do anything between what, 60 to 80 or 100 crores. Let's see how it goes. And do you need to raise more funds to hit that 80-100 crore? We might need to raise funds a bit, a bit in between because I would like to do some advertising. We would only raise after we we hit a certain round rate. Um, I want to hit a year of close to 70-80 crores before I actually go out to the market. Because I don't want to dilute my Kambar company any further than it's already. With the first two uh, rounds have been pretty severe on us. Uh, it's not to, uh, I, I, mean, I don't believe in, uh, you know, holding gives you control. I think competency gives you control. So I have no issues of letting go of, of the company. Uh, when we were as and when we need money but yes i would like to let go of as less as possible and for that i need to prove certain numbers to the to the to the industry and to the funds uh, and that's what i would like to do before i actually go out looking for funds cool so you had like a 20 plus year corporate career before you became an entrepreneur uh, any advice to people in like a similar state of life you may be a swimmer but you are a swimmer which you are swimming in a 
in, in a pool or a pond, are you ready to swim in a river and ocean? Uh, ask this question to yourself. Uh, it's a different ball game. Point one. The second question that you have to ask is if you fail, what is it that you are going to lose? That's the second question that you should ask yourself. Third, please, please, please ensure that you are financially quite secure for at least 24 months before you get into something because uh, it's a very harsh world out there and uh, not having a paycheck is scary. I, I would say secure yourself for at least a 36 months kind of a situation because you would need that much of firepower. Uh, and the fourth and the most important thing is sit with the family, talk to them. Be very blunt and be very truthful of what are the changes that is going to happen. And not just financially, but also socially. As I said, every job brings in a certain amount of social fabric. So these are the things that you should do. And then believe in yourself. I, I think it's a very cliche thing to say. But uh, but trust me, when time comes, sometimes you wonder. And that is the time when you really have to believe in yourself. The advantage of coming, also let me say, advantage of getting into entrepreneurship at the later stages, uh, you would have made a lot of mistakes, you would have learned from them, and you would not make them when you're running your own ship. Uh, so that's that's a good thing uh, and a very, very important thing uh, because you've learned on the cost of somebody else and use that learning to you know, progress further. So that's that's my advice, and uh, you should go for it if you are with your I think the advantages are tremendous. Uh, you know, a lot of your success, uh, I would say, comes down to two things. One is your uh, ability to judge, uh, you know, that, that judgment skill which gets honed over the, the decades that you have spent in terms of judging what product to start, how should it look like, what design, uh, what channel to start with first. And so, so that judgment has got developed. And second is deal-making. Like, you have made these deals with these factories who are producing exclusively for you, which gives you a great advantage, which somebody who's like a 20-something person starting off would not be able to do this kind of deal-making, which you are able to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. You understand the consumer. You understand what sells. Yeah. And the, the risk is limited. Uh, but yeah, there is always a risk. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m dot in.